out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run walls. If it's first and ten, walls. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Chiefs' kingdom, welcome into a new episode of the Out of Structure podcast on a victory Monday. Uh, after week three, that is, after a beatdown of the, the Chicago Bears, the Chiefs did that in Arrowhead on Sunday. It's nice. It's nice to be on a victory Monday, second straight week. Uh, you know, season didn't start off too strong, but we're back. We're back two in a row. Uh, I'm Ron Cobb, junior lead analyst at the site. And joined joining me today, not someone that is usually joining me on the podcast. Uh, Stags had to take care of some stuff this week, but I got my guy Caleb James at CJ Scoobs on Twitter with me on the podcast and i'm sure you loyal listeners know him from you know honestly you've been on the podcast network plenty of times and over the draft season uh you're with us on the youtube channel make sure you're checking out ap film room every tuesday night posting on the youtube channel but caleb you were at the game yesterday i'm usually the one kind of maybe giving the people the vibes of the stadium how was the game yesterday how are you feeling after the chiefs beat down the bears i, I can't imagine driving or like being a bears fan or being from chicago and then driving you know eight or nine hours or whatever it is to come out here and watch oh, that God. game like don't get me wrong weather was great you know it's a yes. classic arrowhead tailgate they're used to all those hoodlums in the afc north that don't know how to behave so i think some of the bears fans were like actually shocked at how welcoming the parking lot is and it's like, you know, you shake their hand and you welcome them in, you give them something good to eat. And they're like, oh, our team's about to roll you guys, by the way. So just get ready for that. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was over quick. <laughs> <laughs> it was, man. It was, it, uh, we were, we've been joking. Like it's, it's been nice, you know, and we're still not done with our, our, our film analysis. We'll be, we'll be getting more into it uh, on the site and posts and stuff, but been nice to not have to you know have a full four quarters of meaningful film you know when we can turn the brain off a little bit after a couple quarters after that first drive in the in the third quarter i think uh that's when Mahomes got bent so so yeah it was it was a it was a nice calming uh common game Chiefs don't have many of those uh, uh anymore but kind of just shows you how much of a dumpster fire the bears are and man it, it's nice to not be a bears fan also not, nice to not be a Broncos or Raiders fan too, Caleb. Let's just sit here and, and take a second because uh, you know Broncos dropped zero and three after giving up seventy points to the Dolphins on Sunday in Miami, and then the Raiders also one and two. Uh, you know, actually had a chance to maybe do something last night. Came back from down twenty three eight. Josh McDaniels down eight. Elects to kick a field goal two minutes to go. What do you know? They end up losing. Don't get the ball back. Just just hilarious to, to be to be fans of those. That, those teams, and I'm just glad I'm a Chiefs fan, Caleb. I don't know any any AFC West thoughts here. You know, being at the game when people said that uh, the Dolphins dropped seventy, I did not think they were being serious, and I was like stunned when they actually threw it up on the scoreboard and it said they actually won by fifty. It was seventy to twenty. And I don't know, I guess if you're Sean Payton, you reap what you sow. You said, you know, you've never seen such a team, you know, such a poorly coached team. 
you just got like almost a record amount of points for, and we're talking like that record was set a long time ago in the NFL. This is like one of the most modern day beatdowns that there has been in probably the last 30 or 40 years in the NFL. Dude, he's going to have his name attached to that forever. And honestly, I don't know, you know, what else do we have to see from Josh McDaniels at this point? You know, he's not an NFL caliber coach. He's offensive coordinator guy. He can coach offenses, but I mean, his this is like this. He's been doing the same. He did the same stuff his first stint as the Broncos coach. Yeah. All right, fifteen years later, let's give it another try, and it's the same stuff. It's not like where he did the Lane Kiffin deal, where it's like you know he struggles, but then all of a sudden you know he gets a little seasoned, and now he's like a good college coach. It's like it's like you literally learn nothing except for that you can only win with Belichick and Brady. Yeah, you know, and, and it seems like the Patriots could probably use him back, too. So why don't they just get back together? Uh, you know, him just go back to New England, Josh. But uh, but no, it is funny with Sean Payton. I mean, hey, Nate Hackett never gave up 70 points. So as a head coach. So uh, that's all I got to say there. Was it no, I, was it Sean Payton or Kevin James coaching? <laughs> Paul Blart. Paul Blart was coaching the Ra- or uh, the Broncos defense out there. That's got to be one of the weirdest actor like professional i know he's not a professional athlete but just like sports per like i the portrayal to me doesn't make much sense that's kevin james sean payton resemblance isn't there resemblance just is not there i feel like there's some other people to pick from there uh speaking of pop culture uh caleb i mean were you sitting next to taylor did you have a a good seat to see taylor swift in in the suites i think i think you actually tweeted that you you might have been kind of close were you weren't you yeah i was like 20 rows in front of her and i could not wow. figure out for i don't usually these were like some extra special seats i was able to get to i don't normally get to sit that close when i do go to games and this time i kept trying to figure out why all these people were turning around i wasn't really like checking my phone very closely for the first half because i was just enjoying the actual football watching i was you know keen in on things, looking at like little details, you know, just enjoy being up that close. And then like in the fourth quarter, you know, it's Gabbert time. I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? I'm like, what has actually been occurring? And people are like, Taylor Swift is here somewhere. And I go, I wonder where she's at. And I turn around, she's been like 20 rows behind us the entire game. And I said, oh, and she was, I did take a picture. I shared it in the Slack group chat. But yeah, she was like, oh yeah, yeah right cool. there. So I yeah. don't know. There's, you know, there's a lot of things going on when you are involved with the best football team, the most popular sports team in the country right now. So, dude, it's. I mean, you know, I, I Taylor Swift talk is going to be over very quickly, but it is just funny that like, yeah, you know, as big as the Chiefs already are, you know, if this is going to be a thing, you know, it's. This Chiefs fandom is only going to grow. You know, we're only going to get more people, you know, uh, on Twitter, you know, wanting to get Chiefs content, more people, you know, wanting to talk Chiefs. You know, I mean, it's it's only going to get more popular to be a Chiefs fan if uh, if the Swifties are are, are are part of it. So welcome to welcome to Chiefs Kingdom, Swifties. That's all I got to say. I was shocked. I was shocked. I was very shocked that she was actually in Arrowhead, that that was an actual thing. But uh, but good for everybody involved. All right. We're going to get to your questions a little later. We always answer your questions uh, from the mailbag. Make sure if you do have one, you ask it on Twitter. We always uh, send out the prompt on Monday mornings after the game. Or you could email apoutofstructure at gmail.com. 
and we can answer it from that way as well. But Caleb, we're gonna get into the game from Sunday. We always, me and you, actually usually team up to do the Insta breakdown from uh, for the games. You're obviously at the game, but you had a pretty pretty good view and and a pretty good a uh, good I would say a good grasp on what happened on Sunday. So let's let's get into kind of you know what you would have Insta broke down. Let's say you know I I wrote it for the site, and one of the things I said was the offense had their get right game, right? Like we all talked about, it'd be nice to see this offense you know put up some points, really you know go down the field, you know, multiple times and, 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 and really open up and not look so, so stagnant. And so just, you know, uh, chaotic, I guess, and sloppy. That's what, that's what we got. I mean, they scored 41 points and it was all clean, you know, with Mahomes in the game. Um, they could have scored way more if they wanted to, uh, they scored on seven straight possessions after going three and out initially. And it was just good to see everything involved with the chiefs offense. Just look clean, Caleb. I don't know. What about the offense to you? was just refreshing to see. I think I think that's the word I want to use. It was refreshing to see this offense have have the game it did Sunday. It's just balanced, you know. They they weren't forcing it to anyone. It wasn't like he's going to come out and just force it to Kelsey. They weren't trying to just like keep hammering the same run game. They mixed it up a little bit. They went with their counters, you know, and that little, you know, Pacheco. I think we saw a little glimpse in the run game. That's kind of what I was interested in. I know you know, Mahomes was unreal, obviously, and it was nice seeing him, you know, get everyone involved. But really, when you see like the uh, triple threat they had with the running backs, it was like kind of nice because Pacheco was running hard. I thought that was one of the better games Clyde's played in quite a while. And then, you know, you're getting there around the goal line in the end zone. You know, that's McKinnon territory. That's kind of where he staked his claim to, uh, you know, he does the dirty work to get down the field, whether it be pass blocking, but they're always going to reward him, and they ran some really nice plays. So I I thought that was just kind of fun to see from the running backs. But, I mean, as far as pass game goes, you know, very little pressure on Mahomes. Uh, The receivers were in time with what they were going to do, and it was just, you know, it was a clean surgical game. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the run game. I think – I think it, it's it's easy to keep going back to the run game, or, or maybe not easy, I should say, but just kind of almost uh, boring, maybe uh, to some people, uh, you know, to keep talking about the run game. But I, I just love how, again, we are seeing them kind of continue that momentum from the second second week, the second half of week two, where we saw them get downhill with under center runs more. We saw that more this week again, you know, and and it was nice because it gives the offense just more, like use use the word perfectly balanced. We saw play action open up this week more, right? We saw a one drive where two play action shots back to back got them into into the red zone, you know, before you could blink an eye. And it was nice. You know, you mentioned the running backs. McKinnon scored twice on receptions in the red zone. Clyde punched one in. uh, Pacheco punched one in. So that's four touchdowns for the running backs, all coming, you know, within short yardage. Chiefs were four for four in short yardage third downs. That was nice to see. They did not miss a, a short yardage third down. So they got that going and, and three of those were passes. So that's not even about the run game, but that's just about, you know, succeeding and just executing. Right. And, and it was a lot about execution. Jarek McKinnon used that word, but, but you're right. You know, even, even one of McKinnon's touchdowns in the red zone, right. You, you, you saw it from where you were, you mentioned it, you know, the power, the power shovel, you know, I, I, I love that play, man. Uh, <laughs> I love power read, you know, being able to, you know, the different ways Andy uses it, whether it's Travis direct snapping it and then taking it. Or obviously the 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 front the front shovel they do, I don't know what did you did you like the what did you see from from that play or just just what about that play do you like uh, as well? 
Well, it's like they had Sky more emotion also, so I did like it that they're mixing up their personnel. That's kind of what is going to make things harder to read. Like, obviously, first two weeks offensively slow start, but as they get more comfortable and as all these, you know, as I'm trying to, you know, think of a comparison, but as all these guys' roles continue to grow, it's going to get harder to key in on who's doing what where, and that's really where you can see some of this, like, misdirection and some of the plays like that, because, you know, if the Bears were watching last season, they should have been pretty keyed into Jarek McKinnon getting the ball inside the five in some non-traditional way, and yet they still let the eye candy with more coming across, you know, draw them in to where Trey Smith can pull around and just lead up. And I mean, it was a walk-in touchdown, and the Bears had no idea what was going to happen. And then even with the the other touchdown he scored just a little rollout. I was extremely shocked that just, you know, their role and obviously they're paying attention to Kelsey and, you know, everyone else on the field, but it's like, how are you losing, you know, McKinnick and all McKinnon and all of that. And that's the thing though. I mean, like we've seen these teams, they're not like they, you know, they don't, you know, they're still kind of a little bit worried about these guys. Like we've been complaining for two weeks about how, this receiving core is, I feel like we're going to be doing the opposite of it once they kind of get into the flow of things. And I just, I don't think that these other teams are really going to be able to key in on a lot of that, especially early on. Well, I mean, speaking of the receivers getting in the flow of things, I mean, we might be seeing kind of how the receiver room is shaking out. And Sunday was a big example of what Rasheed Rice may mean to this team, man. He was my offensive player of the week and Insta breakdown. You know, I, I think a few players could have earned it, but you know, because Kelsey obviously was huge. I think he was honestly the most important part of the offense looking clean. His ability to get, you know, find open windows and zone and kind of settle where Mahomes wants them to. Because Rasheed, you know, before I get into the positive, you know, the three and out was caused by the fact that he didn't run through his route, settle in the right. He kind of settled too quickly, you know, on that third down initially. And and Mahomes threw it in front of him and it, and it was too too far ahead. But after that, man. She was a beast catching the ball and getting upfield and, and, and running through tackles and getting as much as he can out of, out of plays. He is now the team's leader in targets and receptions, Caleb. He has 14 targets on the year, 10 receptions. Sorry, the team's leader among the wide receivers. Excuse me. Travis Kelsey, even though he's only played two games, is still the, the overall receiver. But among the wide receivers, Rasheed Rice is, is the most looked at receiver this year. And I know he played some garbage time that maybe some of the other guys wouldn't have, but I think it's clear, and Andy Reid complimented him on Monday, that this team wants to get the ball in his hands, Caleb. I don't know. What did you see from Rasheed be, being there? How I, I just love the way he moves. Yeah, he moves great in and out of those breaks. He's got, like, real explosion. He's also tough, though. He took some licks trying to get the ball into the end zone. He came up a little bit short. But what you like to see is that willingness that he's going to be able to try to get in. And – Really, he's kind of disproving a lot of things that we've thought about Andy Reid for a long time. You know, that being that he doesn't want to play young receivers or he doesn't want to play like, you know, the young, inexperienced guys. I, I've never really thought that was true. I've always thought it's been he will get guys on the field who he thinks can contribute. And this really does feel like it's only, you know, just the tip of what we're going to see throughout the season. Because they're only three games in, and they're still, you know, holding him back and limiting him. And a part of the reason I think that Andy does that is, you know, he gets the guys who, you know, they were like the guys where they went to school, but he kind of like breaks them down 
to where like they're in their head thinking they have to keep doing more and more to where they can't get complacent as rookies. But that's how he pushes guys past, you know, that point where they are yeah. even going to exceed their own expectations. Because I remember at one point, you know, and this is very loose, but I do remember that one point people were like, well, Tyree Kill could be a very good returner. I'm like, man, this guy could probably do something early on in the season. Then they get to like the turning point game. I'm not saying Rice is going to turn into that, but at some point in the middle of the season, I think we're going to get to a turning point game where they do try to make him the mainstay. And at that point, we're going to figure out if he's going to continue to grow to be the guy at receiver this year, or if they're going to, you know, maybe have to hold off on a couple of things here or there. And he's still got a lot to work on, you know, that interception late where he dropped the ball, that was, right. you know, that wasn't on Blaine Gabbert. That's on Rasheed Rice. You know, he's got to be able to focus in for a full four quarters, no matter how big of a blowout it is. Right. <clears throat> but you you are right, man. I, I think it's just trending towards the fact that, you know, this receiver room needs the guys that Mahomes feels com- comfortable throwing to, to emerge. And Andy Reid said it. And, and I do think it's, it's, it is more, it is more notable than you'd think for Andy Reid to say like Pat, he he can he says the words like Pat likes throwing to him like he said that about Rasheed you know I'm not saying he's never said that about some other guys but it's just I, I do think that's more important than you guys think like I, I I do think it's like and you can tell like he you just can used to get throw to him he has 14 targets this year and he and he plays way less than all their other receivers I mean that's that's all you need to know so I am excited to see Rasheed maybe eventually pop in one of these games. But the real story of three weeks through, and, and again in this game, is the defense, right? I mean, the Chiefs' offense, as good as they did, as well as they played, you know, the defense didn't allow a single point until, you know, Blaine Gabbert, you know, was throwing picks, you know, in the in the third quarter. You know, it, it was a really, truly, you know, impressive, just, you know, clean domination, right? I, I don't know. That, that's how I put it. Who who in the game stood out to you the most? There's a few players to me that 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 really stood above the the rest, even though there was a bunch of good good play among the defenders on Sunday. Well, Nick Bolton was out, and last year, if Nick Bolton had missed time, I would have been very nervous just because of the linebacker prospects that they had last year weren't the greatest. And this year, they have Drew Tranquil, and he stepped in, and he fit like a glove playing that Mike role. He had some tremendous stops. So, I mean, you have to pay that attention. You know, you have to give him the credit for that, for being able to fill in for that spot. And, you know, as time moves on, you're going to see that I think Tranquil probably does some things better than Bolton, and Bolton does some things better than Tranquil does. But the Chiefs are, you know, Spags has always been good about getting his matchups, so they're going to find a way to blend that really well. And then – you know, what can you say? The secondary and defensive line, they were just, they were lights out all game. I mean, Fields, he did not like anything downfield when he was trying to throw, you know, the pass rush was getting back there to him. Chris Jones, again, for a second straight week, they get find a rookie to put him on. And for whatever reason, the teams keep trying to, you know, not help their rookies out. And then, <laughs> You got the supporting cast, Mike Dana, George Karloftis continuing to have big years. Derek Naughty was very big against the Bears did want to come out and run, and the Chiefs never really let him get it going downhill. They kept consistently forcing them into those bad three and out spots. The Bears only converted one third down pass all day. And that was the uh well, they converted two. Uh one of them was a negative that was a negative play to Khalil Herbert. And the other one was the late touchdown in garbage time. 
And that was the first touchdown the Chiefs had allowed in almost eight quarters of play. So this has been – and it really, even if you go back to the Lions game, they gave up that touchdown in the fourth quarter, but they still got off the field. And, like, the defense's last possession, yeah, they let the clock run out when they just had their backs against the wall there, but they got off the field. So, I mean, this is like – this isn't just a little bit of good defense for some bad teams. This is kind of looking like it could be the start of a dominant stretch of defense for the Chiefs. Man, I have to agree. I'm really excited about this defense. Excuse me, just because you mentioned Drew Tranquil. You know, he's someone that I was excited about what he could offer as maybe that dime linebacker, that Mike, you know, that they can trust that, you know, as a play caller in those situations. But man, he looks like a guy that can, that can hold his own in the run game in the box. You know, some, something I underrated maybe a little bit about him is, is, is maybe how well he can just be a traditional, you know, in, in an early down setting, you know, uh, filling in and, and being a good run defender like Nick Bolton is. Obviously, maybe not to that extent, because I still think Nick Bolton is, is who you want just flying down f- field and, or downhill and, and, and making plays in the run game. But, man, you're right. But I, I, I did make uh, Trent McDuffie my defensive player of the game because, again, he all over the place. And, you know, we all know he's he's I, I tweeted at Elmer's glue and coverage, man. He, this dude's just sticky. I mean, he, you know, you may there's obviously going to be some some concern for his lack of length at times in certain uh, situations, certain matchups. But he's just so sticky. But the thing on Sunday that really is is making me be like, whoa, we got something special on our hands here is how how well he or how much impact he's making in the other aspects of the game, including run defense, where. There was one particular play I, I I noted because I went back and watched and made sure, but man, the Chiefs might have had a had given up a huge run play off tackle because Justin Reed comes down, gets blocked up by the tight end, linebackers get blocked up. If McDuffie doesn't fill the hole with a lot of strength, a lot of confidence, and make a great tackle in in like the C gap or yeah, it was C gap or D gap, man, it, you know it, it might have been a, like you know if he just missed that tackle like a lot of corners do, you know he he might have just just. Uh, you know, taking off down the side, I've been a huge run, a huge gain. At the same time, he also forced a fumble on another run play where he came up from behind as he's wrapping up. He punches it out. The second time he has forced a fumble this year, there's only two. He's one of only two NFL defensive backs that have forced two fumbles so far this year. Uh, Javon Holland from Miami, the other one who's a great player. Uh, you know, it's 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 a big thing. You know what McDuffie's McDuffie's showing right now, man. We. He's already shown me that he's a great coverage player, but man, what he's what he's showing as well in, in the other aspects of the game, just you know, it's it's the reason why you didn't sniff a Sneed extension because this guy can be Sneed, you know, plus you know, I think I think even a, another tier of coverage and all that. Uh, what do you think about McDuffie and the rest of the the coverage on Sunday? I think if they kept him as an outside corner for every play of his career. He'd have an outstanding career, but he'd never really get the recognition he deserves because he'd always be out there and no one would throw to him. So he'd like, wouldn't have these, like, you know, he like when you look at the box score, you wouldn't see a lot. He'd always be the guy that has like a high grade, but you wouldn't really see him. And you, you know, people would be like, well, he's there. He's shutting guys down, but he's not making an impact. When they allow him to go play inside, that's when you see how dynamic he actually is when he does get around the football. And I love that they're letting him do that because it's just showing how complete he is a player. I mean, there's a reason that Brett Veach traded up to get him because they loved everything about him from his football instinct to his sticky coverage. And last season, I think, was about him getting his feet wet and showing off his coverage. This year's right. showing off about how big of a ball hawk he is. 
or yeah. just how good he can actually be. And I think that, you know, with him being a little bit smaller, they do need to be careful in some instances how much they do let him loose on the inside there. But I think going forward in, like, big games and big spots, I think seeing him on the inside, that we should probably know that's a, that's a time when the Chiefs are going to want him to step up and make a play on the football. Man, because you're – I that was the thing with McDuffie. I was a little worried putting him inside. You know, I, I think he's good enough to play inside, but maybe he – we'd lose a little bit of what Snead gives you on the inside in terms of being versatile against the run from nickel, you know, uh, just in general, being a playmaker, you know, blitzing off the edge. Sometimes he can do it, man. And, and, and in ways, you know, he's, he's, he's a dog, man, at his size, man, he's just an absolute dog. So shout out Trent McDuffie before, uh, real quick too. shout out Joshua Williams. I noted on Twitter, he's having a, a great statistical year. He's only allowed two catches on seven targets this year. That's like 26% catch rate. It's uh, it's tied for the or no, it's not tied. It's actually the fifth lowest uh, catch rate among cornerbacks with the 50 snaps this year per PFF. Um, and he's allowing 41 passer rating so far. Uh, so McDuffie's looking good, but Joshua Williams hasn't allowed much his way at either. And he's he seems to be, you know, kind of coming into his own as that 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 physical skill set um, that we kind of saw with his length and everything. So excited to see him continue to progress. Um, go ahead. We're going to see the next couple weeks how good these guys are. You know, next with the Jets, you know, Zach Wilson is what he is. They'll probably just try to run the ball, control the clock, and muddy it up. But Garrett Wilson is a stud. And then a week after that, they're going to Minnesota. And that's going to be a desperate team looking to probably throw some big shots out there. I'm with Justin Jefferson. We're going to see, you know, we're going to get to see a little matchup there between some of these guys in the secondary, especially, you know, probably McDuffie. That's the thing. I mean, I, I you were probably going to see Snead on him for the most part, just because that's how they treated Calvin Ridley. And uh, I'm surprised by that, but I do get why they like Snead's, you know, physicality is that, you know, kind of maybe, you know, kind of uh, frustrating those kind of receivers. Right. Um, even if maybe he's not the cleanest coverage guy like McDuffie would be, there's going to be times where, you know, he's going to give up the catch down the field, even if he has great coverage, because it's Justin freaking Jefferson. And maybe some, having someone like Snead where he's just so much longer and, and more physical, it, it's it's interesting, but it's nice to have options, right? And so it's, it, it is really cool what the Chiefs have in the secondary right now. But we do need to keep talking about the defensive line. Uh, we, we like to, on this podcast, look back at kind of what we were talking about looking into the Bears game. And one of the things everyone was talking about was the bad offensive line, right? Uh, you know, in Chicago, you know, you highlighted it on Twitter. I highlighted, highlighted it. They lost their left tackle uh, before, you know, midweek to IR and the chiefs, you know, made it look like, you know, the, the mismatch it was right. And, uh, you might, you mentioned Mike Dana earlier, early in the, early in the game, using a dude as a freaking blocking shed or, a uh, uh, yeah, a blocking, uh, you know, uh, you know, in a football practice, a blocking shed, just absolutely driving him into the quarterback. Uh, he didn't get the sack, but I think he, I think someone else cleaned it up for him. Uh, Drew Tranquil got in on that in Karloftis, I believe, but, you know, Dana just continuing to look strong, but Karloftis too, man. I think it's worth throwing out these stats real quick here, Caleb. I'll let you react to him. George Karloftis at this point, and, and Monday Night Football is yet to play, but, the, you know, that's four teams, uh, and, and, you know, there's some players in there. But the only players for that have more pressure so far this year than George Karloftis are Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, Aiden Hutchinson, TJ Watt, and... uh Oh shoot! I, I forgot the last one, but uh, I have it in front of me. Crosby. 
Yeah, Max Crosby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five players. Five players have more pressures right now than George Karloftis in, in terms of number of pressures. And you know what the crazy thing about that is? Is he has a higher pressure rate than a lot of those guys. Only, uh, only Garrett and uh, Micah out of those two have a higher pressure rate than George Karloftis does uh, out of the guys I just named. He's not just doing it because of, of quantity. He's getting after it. And, you know, before it th- just... I think one thing about it is like, yeah, it, it, it's not turning into like a bunch of sacks yet. Like he's not a sack leader right now. Like there's guys that have a bunch of sacks, but I almost think it's more, it, it, it's almost more encouraging that it's just, you know, it's, it's just happening off, you know, more and more. It's not him running into stuff. It's him causing other people to get sacks because, because he is, is, is kind of causing the pressure. What do you think about Karloff this through three weeks? Well, I mean, the Bears' game plan was baffling for him. They tried to block him up with, like, Cole Komet and the tight ends early on. And that, like, the first play the Bears ran, they almost gave up a safety because Karloftis just blew past their tight ends. Um, he hit uh, Darnell Wright with a really nice push-pull move at one point that I saw. It was late. It was, a, it was like a late in the first half passing down. He hit – he has a really nice move there, but – I mean, when you get these one-on-one matchups, when they're like kind of keyed in on Chris Jones like that, you you just have to be able to take advantage of all that because you know very rarely are you going to get a ton of chances where you're going to have you know be able to be around a guy like that. But I mean, you're seeing the improvements he's made athletically. Also, he definitely looks more fluid. There was a couple of plays where he did like get a little dip and bend there around the edge and I think it's you know just the way he's continued to work his hands like I mentioned that push and pull move you know that was stuff he wasn't doing a year ago so there's a concerted effort on his end to continue to get better my thing with this though and when you're looking at Mike Dana the reason I think we should be optimistic about all these Chiefs rookies is that Dana we really have seen him like actually progress since he got drafted We've seen him, you know, come in and they didn't really know what to do with him at first. And then you see he's, you can put him on the guards opposite of Chris and he was just blowing through guys. I mean, he is having, you know, he may be most underrated player in the entire AFC West right now, the way this season has gone. Because in these games where, you know, they are paying this attention to Chris Jones, that he's just being able to feast off of it also. And, you know, that's why these guys are having a lot of the success they have is because Chris Jones is the engine. But, I mean, he's doing the stuff on the – Chris Jones is doing the stuff on the early downs, too, to help these guys out. And then they're rewarding Chris by, you know, doing like uh, the Texans used to do with J.J. Watt, put him over the – you know, put him over the rookie or put him over the other team's worst lineman on a passing down and just say, do whatever you got to do, man. So, Well, and – and oh, sorry, go. go. Oh, no, I'm good. Well, I was just gonna say, I mean, you know, Chris Jones, you know, for him too, he he understands, I, I'm sure he's a smart man that you know, if Carlotis and Dana are finishing those sacks and, and looking good, then the offensive line can't can't sell out as much towards him, right? Like they have to give them more and more credit the more they start to accumulate sacks and, and, and accumulate wins. And and they both are, man, they both look very good. Um, for their roles, right? You know, I, I just think they're very strong players right now, just really doing their job very well. It's nice to have a lot of youth on the defensive line, and Charles Amenehu coming in is is going to make that fun too. But last topic before we get to break, Caleb, let's take a second. Let's talk about a topic that you have written about, have thought a lot about, and and it has become just such a prominent issue. 
and and you have you had a pretty good angle of this at the, at the game better than most of us being there uh just chiefs right tackle Jawan taylor just this these illegal formations he's getting called for um we got more on from andy today about how you know andy's pretty upset about it he called it ridiculous it's getting ridiculous i don't know caleb what do you think about the the penalties particularly because we know he's playing good football he's pass protecting well you've noted that and we've we've all seen it but what about these penalties and, and just the, the whole uh, story overall? Man, it is super frustrating that this has like become a big thing. And it didn't even need to be. The ref didn't have to throw that flag. They could have let it go be 38 to nothing. It would have had no impact on how the game is. But they did throw the flag. And you look and it's like the way he was lined up it looked like live time from where I'm sitting. It's like you hadn't, they hadn't even thought of throwing the flag all game for either side. I doubt they gave him any warning. And I'm like, in the moment there, I'm like, he looks like he's been on side all game. They haven't called anything. His alignment hasn't been bad. They've run the ball. So it's not just been like they're just keying in on him on like passing downs to where it's like a tell or anything. And then, like, I go back home and I actually look up the actual play and I'm like, it's no more different than how he aligned the rest of the game. It's no different than how Donovan Smith aligned. And it's no different than how uh, Prince Tego Lenogo aligned when he ended up coming back in. Yeah. The, the reason that I'm saying this whole thing is a shame is Jawan Taylor is playing really good football right now. Right. He is actually playing – He's probably one of the best pass protectors in the NFL through three games, I'd say. He's not giving up a lot of pressures. He's not giving up a lot of sacks. But this issue is just, I mean, it's gotten out of hand. I mean, it does feel like a concerted effort by the referees to throw flags on him to maybe get their money's worth. I don't really know what it is. But, I mean, if you're getting Andy Reid and Mahomes to even comment on it, then it's obviously a big deal and I wrote about it a week ago I'm not going to go back through everything when they took him out everyone was saying gosh they're benching him again I didn't really feel in my head I was like this doesn't feel like they're like benching him I'm like it's not like where they got to pull Mike Rivers from a game because he's getting beat like a drum I'm like this is like Jawan Taylor is playing a clean game and they take him out to prove a point, I think, to the referees. that It's yeah. like, all right, if we'll get him in there. And then I read the report. I think it was Charles Goldman, actually. He had That's that right. article out today. And Charles always does a great job of this stuff. I feel pretty confident what he says is pretty, you know, based in what he's heard in fact. But he's saying the Chiefs took him out and they told Winago to go out there and line up the exact same way while Donovan Smith was also doing it just to see what happened. And it wasn't even an issue after that. So I don't know, man. I mean, it's this wasn't a thing last year. I guarantee you a lot of casual fans didn't even know this was a penalty. Offensive linemen have been cheating it for a while. Um, <laughs> Monday, night fo- Monday night football is going on live right now. There's a left tackle for the Bengals that does it. There's a right tackle for the Eagles that does it. So, I mean, just take a look. I mean, you can look around the league to every tackle in the NFL. So, I mean, why why is it different for, for Juwan Taylor? It is, in Andy words, Andy's words again, ridiculous. And you're right. It does just feel like they're, the week one thing was just so blown out of proportion. And maybe the league just 
emphasize it so hard to the refs that like, look, this can't, we can't let him get away with this. Like you can't let him do this. And it's just like, well, every other tackle does it, but are you just going to start calling flags like 10 times every other NFL game? Like, no, no one wants that. So uh, it's ridiculous. And hopefully that ends soon. But I just worry that it, it messes with Juwan Taylor mentally because football is such a mental game. And, you know, if, 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 if again, you know, if, if his pass snaps are now going to be, he's going to be a half second off because he just has to think about it so much and, and has to make sure he doesn't get the flag, that's going to affect the Chiefs' pass protection and affect his play. And that's unfair to him. So it just it just really sucks, but you know we don't need to harp on it too much more unless you have more to say about it. Let's get to break though. Let's get to break so we can answer the good people's questions. But I do promise the people, and Caleb's new to the game, and this is a little older of a of a player, so we'll see we'll see if he can get it. But uh, I ask again every week, what NFL player am I? Asking a player that played for Chiefs and the upcoming opponent, both of them. Today, it's the Chiefs and the Jets. We play them Sunday night this week. Who am I? After entering the league as an undrafted free agent in 1994, I signed with the Chiefs in 95 and kicked off 11 seasons as part of the Chiefs offense. I was in the backfield for a historic stretch, but wasn't known for the yards or touchdowns. And I ended my career with three seasons as a Jet, still wearing that number 49 I always rocked throughout my career. We'll ask Caleb if he if he knows who it is on the other side. Stay with us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back in on the Out of Structure podcast. Appreciate you listening here. We are watching some Monday Night Football as we as we get to the end of this podcast here, answering your mailbag questions coming up. Uh, Bengals are down 3 nothing right now, so we'll track that, see if uh, see if the Rams can kind of hold there and, and get the Bengals to 0-3. How crazy would that be after all the expectations there? But okay, before we get there, the NFL player I was talking to is good old T-Rich, Tony Richardson. Fullback for the Priest Holmes days and in the late 90s, too, with some of the other ones. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, when I first uh, I, I kind of confused him for Kimball Anders for a split second at first. Uh, another great kind of fullback. But he, he was much more of a receiver, much more a playmaker in the Chiefs offense. I think I think T. Rich did a lot of his damage. He had some receiving days for sure, but a lot of his damage as a blocker. Uh, I don't know, Caleb, did you uh, I didn't even let you answer it. I just realized I just completely didn't even let you guess. But you knew it. You told me in the break you knew it. So I'm gonna get. I got to give you credit for the people. Yeah, I mean he blocked for what he blocked for Marcus Allen and Priest Holmes. Was that? I don't. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if Marcus Allen was still in Kansas City, but he definitely blocked for Priest. His first Holmes. year there. Yeah, you're, you're right. No, he would have been. You remember him? I remember. I think the days you remember most from Tony Richardson are. Uh, Chiefs offensive line, they ran that power sweep where they get uh they're like the pin and pull where they get Will Shields and uh, Willie Rofe around the outside, <laughs> like Jason Dunn and Tony Gonzalez blocking and then T Rich leading the way for Priest Holmes. I mean, that was about the peak of running the football in Kansas City for a little bit there. Man, I don't know. There that 
that is a thing of beauty whenever those priest films clips come up on the tl and it's just him literally just being uh you know escorted by 10 you know or you know nine people just destroying people in their way just a you know a human bulldozer with nine of them it's just ridiculous all right let's get to some mailbag questions jake wilson at jake for now on twitter always asking great questions appreciate you and he does have a you know an interesting one here talking about the chiefs defensive line you know we've been praising them barring significant injury has the chiefs defensive line outgrown their need for a carlos dunlap or should kc fans expect a mid-season reunion I'm going to let you go first on uh, here. Uh, this one, Caleb, what do you think? Mm, I mean, I'd still be down for it. I'd still be down for Dunlap if they could pull it off. You know, uh, there's still snaps to be had out there by some guys. Um, I think, uh, you know, FAU, he's still kind of developing along. They're still a little thin at defensive end. So, I mean, I'd still be okay with it because they could get him on the field. But, I mean, they definitely find a way to make it all work. I don't think it'd be like a situation where they're like blocking anyone from reps or anything. Yeah. As someone that's been, you know, high on the Malik Herring uh, hype train as, uh, as terms of, in terms of being a, a solid contributor, you know, he's a pretty meh player and, you know, they might prefer a Carlos Dunlap over him to kind of eat those snaps. You know, Malik Herring plays quite a bit right now, um, you know, and that's kind of what you're mentioning, you know, in terms of the depth, you know, they, they, they may still prefer to kind of have a Dunlap and, you know, maybe they wait until, you know, home stretch, you know, Denlap only has to play, you know, 10 games down the stretch of the season, you know, wait, uh, wait until the kind of that, that most important part of the, the season. So it's, it is interesting, Jake. Um, they definitely could, could do that. Uh, they could kind of think about Carl, Carlos Dunlap still or any other defensive. End. I don't know. There, there could be other defensive ends out there. I don't know if, 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 uh, if anyone's familiar with the free agency list, but. I'm interested here, Caleb. Tuck at Tuck Opines on Twitter asks, was everything finally clicking yesterday or are the Bears that bad? Because it is hard to tell. And I do agree with you, Tuck. Uh, you know, the Bears are, are a dumpster fire. And, you know, we should have saw, you know, I, I kind of got a little hesitant thinking the Chiefs are going to blow them out. You know, maybe a backdoor cover was coming, but we all should have seen this coming, Caleb. So I don't know. Do you, should, should we be taking too much away from this game? I mean, they they came out and did what you do against a bad team, right? And sometimes we've seen the Chiefs mess around and play down to the level of their competition. I'd say after the way the offense looked the first two weeks, they weren't going to let that happen. They came out and dropped the hammer on them quick, like from the start of the game. They punted that after that opening possession, and then after that it was just relative ease and domination. The defense completely swarmed fields. They stopped the run. The Bears' receiving core was completely non-existent for most of the game. So that's what that's what good teams do to bad teams. That's how it should always be. No, you're 100 percent right. I mean, it's it's not even like this was like a game that they hung around in the first quarter and then the Chiefs, you know. And I mean, I guess that you know they only were up seven nothing at the end of the first quarter, and then they dropped 27 in the second quarter. Uh, but again, this was just a domination wall to wall. And you're right. That is what they should do. The Bears almost, you know, they hung in with the Packers to an extent in that fir- first week. Uh, you know, they they hung in with the Bucks, even though the Bucks aren't that good of a team either. You know, it, they hadn't gotten embarrassed like that yet. The Chiefs, the Chiefs really did, you know, put them into complete laughingstock category if, if they weren't already in that. So that's what good teams do, like you said. But yeah, I mean, there's obviously some stuff to the Chiefs offense. It'll be nice to see them 
if they do it against the Jets defense this next week, Caleb, I think then we can we can maybe you know get a little more excited about maybe some of these receivers coming into their own if they kind of have the same similar performance against you know a really talented Jets defense. I don't know. What do you think about that? Would you if they had the same performance against the Jets defense? Obviously, we'd be a lot more excited. Absolutely. I mean, the Jets defense is stacked with talent at all three levels. And if they were able to come out and hang 30 on them again, then you're running into some problems if you're the teams the Chiefs have to face. Because if you're only going to put up between 20 and 14 points, that is not going to go in your favor. Well, if the Chiefs are hammering out 30 against a team like the Jets, who are going to have to rely on their defense. Yeah. And. You know, they have a great pass rush too. The Bears don't really have any talented pass rushers. Um, so the Jets have a deep one there and have fresh legs. Chiefs, you know, Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith are going to have to be on their game, uh, you know, next Sunday for sure. And so that'll be an exciting game, uh, exciting matchup for sure. On the other side, not so much. Uh, and, 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 you know, good luck to Zach Wilson, uh, you know, because Chris Jones feels like the, like the worst kind of player he'd want to go against, right? Just like a big, hulking inside rusher. Even though, you know, obviously he doesn't rush from inside all the time, but just, you know, not, you know, Zach Wilson's too short to be going against a Chris Jones. I don't know. That's, that's, that doesn't seem like a good matchup uh, to me. But let's, let's go with Thomas Ramirez's question. What will happen first? Rasheed Rice gets more touches and shows out, or Jawan Taylor fixes his lineup problems? Yeah, that's, I mean, Rasheed Rice, you know, is going to is gonna be, we talked about it a little earlier, he might pop off one of these games, but I don't know, Caleb, what do you think? Do we see the end of the Jawan Taylor situation first, or Rasheed kind of pop off? I, I mean, I'm hoping that we see the end of the Jawan Taylor situation first, because it's just become such a, like we were discussed earlier on the show, it's become such an issue that doesn't even have to be a thing. It's just like, I don't know, I guess the solution for Taylor is, I don't know, make the refs work. Taylor, the Chiefs should line up on the ball and they should not snap it until the referee tells Taylor he's lined up correctly. They should just come in and check every play. Ooh, and, I like that. Yeah, just come in and check every play. You know, what? what's it got to – I mean, what do they got to do? Like, I mean, it's frustrating to sit here and watch this because I'm sure right now the left tackle for the Bengals or the right tackle for the Eagles are probably not yep. quite aligned correctly <laughs> or how the league would have penalized Taylor for. So let's, you know, let's either start seeing some consistency where everyone's going to get called for it, or we're going to put the refs to work and we're going to actually make them sit there and go through it to where they have to be sure that he's lined up on it. And if they're, you know, if, if they don't want to do that, then, you know, that's on them, you know, that's an issue they'll have to fix then, you know, I'd like to see Rasheed Rice, you know, keep taking the next step too. I think there'll probably be a game at some point that we will see that, but the Taylor thing needs to be over quickly because it's hurting my eyes. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I'm not going to have any hair by the end of this. Uh, no, I, that's, I like that idea though. And, and, and we've, I mean, we're seeing the chiefs kind of getting petty about this where it's, you know, Andy Reid is saying publicly, which he really doesn't a lot unless he really needs to that, you know, the NFL needs to, get their shit together, get their, excuse me, my language, get their crap together. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, that, that's funny though. It'd be funny to see, you know, kind of, you know, cause when the chiefs can get, a, can do this kind of stuff, right. Where they throw in Prince Tego and no go just to see if they're going to call it on him too, or they can get to the line. And then everybody just kind of turns their head and looks at the ref waits for him to give them the go ahead every single time, you know, and it would just, you know, and, and 
I don't know. Maybe that would make you know. Maybe that would not get anything done doing that. But I think it'd be kind of funny, kind of petty. You do recall though, last year when they were getting on Chris Jones for like some of the late hits or what they were deeming was like unsafe when yeah. Arrowhead exploded against the Raiders. <laughs> I mean, the Andy Reid gave it to Carl Sheffers. Like, there's a, there's an explosion like that coming soon where either I think number 15 or Andy Reid or some 87, one of those three guys is getting ready to go off and take an unsportsmanlike for Taylor at some point. And they, I don't think that – here's the thing, though, that people are forgetting that I keep trying to bring up. I don't think that Reid or Mahomes would be saying that if Taylor was just out there playing bad. He's playing really well right now. And we have to oh, yeah. you know, keep remembering that. Because Mahomes is actually sitting, you know, last year when Mahomes was talking about the offensive linemen, they're like, you know, specifically the tackles, Wiley and Brown. He's like, yeah, they're smart guys. They play hard. You know, they know what they're doing. And this year he's like specifically saying, he goes, yeah, Juwan's playing great football right now. And he means it because he's not getting hit from that right side. So, I mean, at some point you got to think that they're going to, in a game, stand up for one of their guys. And if they got to eat a fine or take a penalty, you know, that might be what it takes. Yeah, no, it is nice to see, you know, them coming to his defense. It's just a good thing to see for a new guy, you know, his first year, you know, it's easy to kind of maybe just not say much about it and kind of maybe make him look like he's just not fixing it and not, you know, you know, right. Like Andy could just kind of be like, well, you know, we got to work on it. We got to work on it because he does that all the time. But him being publicly, you know, purposeful about, you know, it is a great sign Um, and no, I mean, think about if that MVS touchdown that that obviously, you know, is a huge touchdown catch, like you mentioned, good puts them up 38 nothing. If that's in a big game against the let's say the Bengals and Arrowhead, you know, and and that play gets them up seven and, you know, and close to the end of the first half or something like you just mentioned, there will be an explosion. They will have to stop the game because Andy will be so far up somebody's you know what. So uh I think I think that's a good point, and uh, they th- that's why the refs themselves need to fix it because that's not going to be a good look on them when he's completely correct in grilling them uh, on, on national television. So I'm excited. To, I, it'd be nice. It'd be fun to see Andy explode. Now, I'm, I, 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 I care for his heart though, so you know I don't want to get. I, you know I think the NFL should too. You know, like we, we they should probably get nip this in the bud bud before Andy gets too worked up about it. I mean, honestly, I mean that's. That's a serious take right there, Caleb. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest about that. Very serious. Uh, <laughs> They're hurting us. They're hurting us out here. Well, I know. I just, I mean, Andy's getting up there. It's just like you know, this isn't a, this is a dumb thing to get him worked up on. You know, if you want him to continue coaching, he's one of your best coaches of all time. Knit this in the bud before he gets too worked up, and you know, I hate to say it, something happens. All right, here we go. Thomas Ramirez, another great question. I appreciate you asking questions. You always ask some good ones. Who looked better for the defense on Sunday? If you had to choose one, Caleb, between one or the other, the defensive line or the secondary? Uh, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, I think we're, uh, we're taking for granted how good Chris Jones is because we're not used to seeing these other phases of the defense look as good as they are now. But he is still the catalyst. I mean, getting pressure has always been the name of the game for Spags and very bad offensive line, very bad receiver core also this week. So it was kind of hand in hand there. I'll go ahead and go with, uh, I'll just say the defensive line this week, you know, they just went in there and took care of business. They still got pressures on him with four. 
Chris Jones played like a maniac, and so did Mike Dane and George Karloftis. Derek Nottie's playing really well against the run right now, too. Tershawn Wharton, he's starting to look healthy, like he's getting back into the groove also. So that's just another guy to throw into the equation. So I'll, I'll go D-line. Yeah, I'll have to agree with you there. I mean, I know the I mentioned McDuffie as the defensive player of the game, but you know this whole this whole game, this whole domination was centered around early down run defense playing well, and then the pass rush getting home, or at least containing Justin Fields, not letting him get loose. So shout out the defensive front once again, and they have a they have a nice little tasty uh, matchup coming up, don't they, Caleb? Playing Zach Wilson next week, uh, you know, and and that Jets the offensive line. I think Dwayne Brown just went on IR, if I remember correctly. Uh, I don't know, Caleb. Is is, is it should it be? Because I mean, Zach Wilson's even more of a sitting duck back there, and he's not as athletic. And and I mean, Chris Jones might kill him, like on accident. I don't know. Is it going to be just as bad as this week, Caleb? I'm guessing the Jets will come out fired up. Home game. Um, they're probably going to try to really give them a lot of looks with Hall and Dalvin Cook, probably, and they'll probably try to tandem that. But that's really the only shot they have is just to run the ball because. You're seeing some of these younger quarterbacks. These are the kind of guys Spags has always picked on. And he's got the talent on his field now to just kind of, you know, run these quarterbacks in circles because Justin Fields was lost. We saw Trevor Lawrence get lost a couple times last week. Zach Wilson, I don't think, is better than either of those guys. So he might be in some trouble. Yeah, and I mean, I, I kind of said before the Bears game, maybe you don't need to blitz as much. Maybe you don't blitz as much just because you might play into what Justin Fields wants, you know, getting out of the pocket and, and all of a sudden making plays in space. You know, don't worry about that this week. I mean, Zach Wilson's not getting out of any pockets and making plays as a runner. Um, you know, I know he he will. He 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 will, you know, to an extent. Like, he has some athleticism. I think, he, didn't he have like a 70-yard touchdown run last year? Like, he he can move. I'm not trying to say he's not athletic at all. He's not a he's not a statue back there. He's just not someone that like you're worried about. Oh shoot, he got out of the pocket. Oh boy, here we go. Like, eh, that's fine. Uh, let's let's just blitz him and and make him make mistakes and and he will. So I'm excited to see that matchup this Sunday. Uh, we we got a few more questions, but I'll just ask this one as we get out of here, Caleb. What's the over under on the offensive line penalties this year? Hitman 10 at David Gear says 45. And I will say this. And I was like, 45, that sounds like that could be probably way too much, right? Like that that's just a lot. According to PFF, the Chiefs have 14 penalties from their offensive line right now through three games. So if you extrapolate that out, you know, you know, let's say uh, you know, 15 games. 15 games, that's 70 penalties <laughs> on your offensive line. Uh, so I sure I sure hope it's it's under on this or at least close to under because this 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 can't keep going on, Caleb. I don't know because not even just Jawan Taylor. I mean, we've seen holding penalties on Donovan Smith. Uh, Trey Smith has gotten caught on a couple holding calls. I don't know. I mean, are you are you satisfied with how the offensive line looked, or do you, do you think they need to clean up in certain aspects? The holding calls. That's just that's. I mean, that stuff happens. Like right. you're going to get called for holding. I think the big overreaction right now is the alignment stuff. Donovan Smith has always been kind of a holder too, so I feel like the penalties be more elevated. I just hope they can keep it underneath, you know, forty-five. I'd like to hope that they can start to clean stuff up. We haven't heard Joe Tooney's name at all this season. That's because he's been playing exceptionally well. Same with Creed Humphrey. 
it's kind of over the stuff with Taylor's kind of overshadowing them. Go back and watch the last couple of games. Mahomes is not getting hit that much. He's like some of these plays where we're seeing him move up in the pocket. Like we didn't even talk about that throw he had to Watson. I mean, that was unbelievable. And a part of the reason that play to uh, Justin Watson came to fruition is because Mahomes is just standing back there, just surveying the offensive line, just mirroring everyone up. So hopefully they yeah. can get it cleaned up. I think things will settle down and die down a little bit with the uh, illegal alignment calls, hopefully, as time progresses. So hopefully we can be at that under because 70 penalties would be a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, that's an absurd, uh, you know, pace. And and I and, and you're right. I agree with you. The holding penalties, you know, Trey is going to get his holding calls. I mean, he is. I mean, it's kind of the player he is. You know, he, he's going to have his, his sloppy reps. He's still young, you know, but at the same time, you know, please send him more on power and counter because that man is, is a great polar and definitely creates space. And um, that's where he's at his best, in my opinion, or down blocking for the other side of power and counter. Um, and, and Donovan Smith, like you said, he is going to get his holds. But, you know, I'd still rather have someone that can match a speed rush up the arc a lot better like he can than, you know, whatever we got out of Brown last year at times. And, and so we'll keep harping on that as we go along. But. But that was a good pod, Caleb. I appreciate you joining me, filling in for Stags. You know, talking about this Chiefs Bears game. Got a Chiefs Jets game coming up Sunday night football this week. So we'll talk about that next week. Stags will be back with me answering your guys' questions. Make sure you submit them on Twitter. Uh, feel free to always uh, sh- slide in the DM, send them on to the email at or ap out of structure at gmail.com. Caleb, I'll let you uh, send some parting words uh, to the people as you get out of here on this Monday night. We'll go watch some football. Yes, fellow ball watchers, we can now yeah. depart and go watch the double, the the Monday night doubleheader. Uh, hot take, not a big fan of it. I think that there Ooh. should just be one game. I don't like trying to divide my attention between the two because I'd kind of like to see the whole Eagles-Bucks game, and I'd be very curious to watch the Bengals anytime they're on you know, national TV, not playing at the same time the Chiefs are, so... I hopefully I don't know how many more of these they're gonna do. I could go without it though. Wow, that is I, I like that hot take. I uh I, I I think I am a fan of it just because there's more football on. I just sometimes when there's one game on, it goes to commercial during like a boring part of it, you're just like, Man, I wish there was more football. But I agree with you that, you know, you, you, you dividing your attention in a prime time. I get that, I get that. But Looks like Eagles are up 20 to 3, so it may not be much of a game there anyway. But all right, let's get out of here. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate everyone listening. Make sure you follow each of us on Twitter. Follow the site. We're going to be breaking down film for you with articles this week as we lead up to the Jets game. Uh, make sure you watch AP Film Room on YouTube. We'll be having that out after Tuesday night. And we will catch you next time. Appreciate you listening. <laughs>